Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. They've been complaining about you all night long. And this, in this moment, Moses, he just prays. And that's sometimes the best thing that you and I can do. I don't know if you have difficult people within your life, people may, who maybe are wanting to go in the same direction you are. Maybe it's family members. You can get upset, you can get frustrated, you can get annoyed. I, I pray that where we end up is on our faith interceding on behalf. The saying goes, patience is a virtue. Today, Pastor James shows us the patience that Moses had when dealing with people who talked behind his back and constantly complained. At any moment, Moses could have ignored them and gotten frustrated, but instead he rested on his faith in God. He was able to use it as a moment to show people what true grace looks like. If you're a Christian, you have to live your life every day like it's your last. You have to show the people around you what the love of God looks like. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Numbers, chapter 13, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. We need bread for the broken, give some bread to the broken. We need hope for the hopeless, give some hope to the hopeless, hopeless. Bread for the broken, broken. We need more, more Joshua or Caleb's. So you have that. And then this, this uh, unbelief, because it, it goes from like, man, here's the promise of God. And then the people are like, we don't, we don't really care what God says. Because what's in front of us, this tangible thing, tells us that we don't stand a chance. So we're not going to believe in God. We're not going to believe in his word. So their unbelief is going to lead to a rebellion. And it just does. Verse Verse one of chapter 14. Then the whole community began to weep aloud and they cried all night. Oh, this is where I would lose my mind if I was Moses. Be like, Lord, um, I don't know. Where's, where's Aaron's rod? Like, I just, where's that? We need to go, you know, adjust some attitudes. All night they're crying. Like, it's one thing if a baby's crying all night, but for a grown up to cry all night, come on. But they're just crying because what they're, they're like, they have, it's just despair. When you don't believe God, guess what's going to happen? Despair. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Wait, how did you get to that conclusion? Again, stop looking at yourself. I would be speaking to the nation of Israel, myself sometimes. Get your eyes off of yourself and onto the Lord. Man, when my eyes are fixed on me, oh, there's a lot of whining and complaining. There just is. But when my eyes are on the Lord, there's nothing. There is nothing that God can't accomplish. That's my mindset. My eyes are on the Lord. Like you name it, God, let's go do it. Go do it. As long as you're in it, I'm right there with you. (laughs) Right? Like you're not in it. Please let me know. Okay. I don't want to look like a fool, but 
when my eyes are on myself, it's just weeping aloud, it's moaning, it's complaining, it's, it's really not doing anything at all. There's no movement, there's no life. This unbelief is going to lead to this rebellion. They're crying out and all that good stuff. Verse, the rest of that verse goes on. Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Right? They're like, I mean, uh, yeah, this is, and this isn't the first time they said this, nor will this be the last time. Because they plotted among themselves. That's a problem. When the people are rebelling against the leader and they're having all their secret meetings about the leader, uh, has that ever happened in churches? Mm, yeah, it has. You want to know why some churches have split? It's because of that. When you get these little committees that form, because they don't like the pastor or the elders, the lead elders within the church, and then they start trying to figure out how we're going to fix that dude. Uh, that always leads to tragedy, by the way. You got a problem with the leaders, go talk to the leader. That's all I got to say. Okay? And I'm a pastor. You got a problem with me? Please let me know. Please let me know. I'm not always right. I know that. If you if you hung around with me long enough, you know that I don't. I certainly don't think I'm right all the time. But there are some things that we're not going to do, and some things that we will do. Okay. But here they are. They're all gathering together to complain about Moses and Aaron. Not that they were trying to hide it, anyways. They're crying about it all night. Here's the response, though. Well, here's, here's their plot. Let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt, right? So they're like, out with these guys. Let's get a new leader who can lead us back to Egypt, back to slavery, back to bondage. Oh, how do you think you're going to be received in Egypt, by the way? Because when you last left, all the oldest born males died. Do you remember all the plagues? How in the world do you think you're going to be received by the Egyptians when you go marching back into town? You think it's going to be a welcoming committee? Oh, we're so, we miss you guys. Please. Oh, yeah. No, we're going to, we've reserved the best places in Egypt for you. Like, what in the world are you thinking? Do you remember all the husbands that died in the Red Sea when they came chasing after you and God allowed the water to come back on top of it? You really think that they want you there. We'll get new leaders, and they'll take us in a new direction. What's the new direction? Back. If you get a new leader who takes you back, instead of taking you forward, find a new leader. You need to find a new leader. Moses is trying to take them into the promised land. And they want a leader who's going to take them back to the old life, back to the old ways. We don't have time for the old ways. We don't have time for the old ways. So they're plotting, they're scheming, forming their own little schism there within the nation of Israel. It's a million against like four guys right now, right? Because you got, well, you got Moses, you got Aaron, then you got Joshua and Caleb. It seems like they're the only ones out of the entire nation who are like, I think we really need to go this way. And the rest of them are like, we're going this way. I love Moses and Aaron's response. Verse 5, Moses and Aaron fell, fell face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Jephunneh, I don't know, whatever, uh, Caleb, Joshua and Caleb, tore their clothes. They said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. 
And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord. Don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection. But the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Go on what God has already said. Go on what he's already said. Verse 10, but the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. What, what is wrong? You see that, that despair and all that stuff. Despair and unbelief, it just translates right into this rebellion where nobody is thinking clearly, except for the four guys who are in front of them. Two of them are on their faces praying. And the other two, are the, young, the young men in the story, Caleb and Joshua, are, are pleading before the, the whole congregation of like, no, we got to trust God. Trust God. And they're like, they're grabbing stones. It's like, we need to kill you guys because you're standing in the way. You're standing in the way of where, we, where our hearts are at. And their hearts, the problem with the children of Israel is their hearts, they may have left Egypt, but their heart never did. The heart never did. But this is also like, this is when you know you're in trouble. Okay? Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites at the tabernacle. When God shows up, you're either in for a treat or you're in for a little spanking. Okay? In one sense, if I could say that, right? Like, they are about to be disciplined. Because God does discipline those whom he loves. But he's going to correct their behavior. Because they are all in the wrong except for these four. But God's presence shows up. As the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me? Even after all the miraculous signs I've done among them, I will disown them and destroy them with a plague. Here's the thing. Then I will make you into a nation greater and mightier than they are. Here's how you know Moses is a good leader. A bad leader would have been like, really? Oh, wait, yeah, wipe them out, man. I've been dealing with these knuckleheads for a long time. Like, get rid of them, start over with me. That would be a bad leader. A good leader says, let me intercede on, on behalf and pray for them. Moses objected, what will the Egyptians think when they hear about it? When they hear about it, he asked the Lord. They know full well the power you displayed in rescuing your people from Egypt. Now, if you destroy them, the, Egypt, the Egyptians will send a report to the inhabitants of this land who have already heard that you live among your people. They know, Lord, that you have appeared to your people face to face and that your pillar of cloud hovers over them. They know that you go before them in the pillar of a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Right? So Moses is his job. He's like, God, the enemy already knows you're with us. You're with us. Now, if you slaughter all these people with a single blow, the nations that have heard of your fame will say, the Lord is not able to bring them into the land. He swore to give them. So he killed them in the wilderness. Please, Lord, prove that your power is as great as you have claimed. For you said the Lord is slow to anger and filled with unfailing love, forgiving every kind of sin and rebellion. But he does not excuse the guilty. He lays the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generation. 
in keeping with your magnificent, unfailing love, please pardon the sins of this people, just as you have forgiven them ever since they left Egypt. That's a good leader. That's a really good leader. And, and it's not like God needed persuading. In one sense, it, this might have been just a really good lesson for Moses in learning, Moses, I know these people will probably annoy you. And, and they're, I mean, they're picking up rocks to kill your, the guy that you're mentoring to take over for you. They've been complaining about you all night long. And this, in this moment, Moses, he just prays. And that's sometimes the best thing that you and I can do. I don't know if you have difficult people within your life, people may, who maybe are wanting to go in the same direction you are. Maybe it's family members. You can get upset, you can get frustrated, you get annoyed. I, I pray that where we end up is on our faith, interceding on behalf. I mean, I don't know what your family's like, but they're probably not like, this is bad, right? Like this children of Israel is like, I mean, unless you've got family members who are crying all night long about how much they hate you, I don't know. But they, I mean, this is, this is critical level here. This is really bad. And Moses prays, he intercedes on behalf of them. Then the Lord says, verse 20, I will pardon them as you have requested. I'll pardon them. Now, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8 says that, yeah, there is forgiveness, but there's also, you reap what you sow. Cause, back, there's consequence. We want the forgiveness and for there to be no consequences. But that ain't how it works. Sometimes that can happen. More times than not, you and I have to, we have to experience the consequences of decisions that we've made. And God forgives you of that sin, but there are consequences that he does allow to happen within your life. That's just how it is. For children of Israel, their consequence is, you don't want to go on the promised land? You'll never go on the promised land. You don't want to make it? then you'll never see it. You'll never see it. He kind of gives them exactly what they were asking for. He gives them what they want. They had the choice to go in. They were on the doorstep. They had the choice to believe. They had the choice to trust. They had the choice to go and let the Lord fight for them. But they chose a different one. They chose the gas station doll. When God's like, I got the best for you. All you got to do is trust me. All you got to do is trust me. And they told God, we don't trust you. And what we want is Egypt. And God says, well, I'm not going to give you Egypt. I'm not going to send you back into bondage. But you will not see the promise. That's like a harsh, that's a harsh reality. But that's what they chose. We might think God's the bad guy in the story. He's not the bad guy in the story. He gave them exactly what they wanted. He says, verse 21, but as surely as I live and as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory, not one of these people will ever enter that land. They've all seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I perform, for, I perform both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again, they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. They will never see the land I swore to give to their ancestors. None of those who have treated me with contempt will ever see it. But my servant Caleb 
has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me. So I will bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of the land. Now turn around and don't go toward the land where the Amalekites and the Canaanites live. Tomorrow you must set out for the wilderness in the direction of the Red Sea. As the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long must I put up with this wicked community and its complaints about me? Yes, I have heard the complaints the Israelites are making against me. Now tell them this. Here's their message. Surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. You will all drop dead in this wilderness because you have complained against me. Every one of you who is 20 years old or older and was included in this registration will die. You will not enter and occupy the land I swore to give you. The only exceptions will be Caleb and Joshua. You said your children would be carried off as plunder. Well, I will bring them safely into the land. They will enjoy what you have despised. You were so concerned about your kids. Technically, they were not concerned about their kids at all. Just so you understand that. But God's like, oh, I care more about your kids than you do. Don't worry about that. I care more about your kids than you do. They're going to see what you despise. They'll get to enjoy that. But as for you, you will drop dead in the wilderness and your children will be like shepherds wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. In this way, they will pay for your faithlessness until the last of you lies dead in the wilderness. Side note, you think after a few years, everybody's looking around and being like, would it be like a bad thing for us to take these guys out? Like, uh, cause I mean, he said we can go in once all these guys die. I don't know if you ever think about that when you're reading through this, maybe it's just me and my youth pastor mentality, but I'd be like, I was one of the younger guys. I've been like, all right, how many guys, how many we got left? <laughs> They're all standing by the cliff. If we just push then we can go in. I'm just kidding. That's bad. They're going to wander through the wilderness. This is what they wanted. What they asked for. And, and they asked for it by not accepting or receiving what God had freely offered to them. Verse 34, because your men explore the city for 40 days, you must wander the wilderness for 40 years, each year for each day, or a year for each day, suffering the consequences of your sins. Then you will discover what it is like to have me for an enemy. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will certainly do these things to every member of the community who has conspired against me. They're like, no, no, we were conspiring against Moses, not you, God. He's like, no, no, when you're coming at my leaders, you're coming after me. It's a good reality check for these guys. They will be destroyed here in the wilderness, and here they will die. Verse 36, then the the 10 men Moses had sent to explore the land, the ones who incited the rebellion against the Lord with their bad report were struck dead with a plague before the Lord. Of the 12 who explored the land, only Joshua and Caleb remained alive. Like right then and there, God just wiped those dudes out. Like in front of the whole community of Israel, those 10 guys dropped dead. You think that was probably like a wake-up call, right? The children of Israel are like, oh, wait a minute. No, we know it was a wake-up call for how they respond to this. Verse 39, then Moses reported the Lord's word to the Israelites, and the people were filled with grief. Then they got up early the next morning and went to the top of the range of the hills. Let's go, they said. We realize we have sinned, but now we're ready to enter the land the Lord has promised us. The day late. Oh, now now you want to go in your own strength. 
Here's, here's a good lesson for us when we try to go in our own strength. Because the flesh can never accomplish what only faith can do. Let's go. Verse 41, Moses says, why are you now disobeying the Lord's orders to return to the wilderness? It won't work. Do not go up in the land now. You will only be crushed by your enemies because the Lord is not with you. When you face the Amalekites and the Canaanites in battle, you will be slaughtered. The Lord will abandon you because you have abandoned the Lord. But the people defiantly pushed ahead toward the hill country, even though neither Moses nor the Ark of the Lord's Covenant left the camp. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in, the, in those hills came down and attacked them and chased them back as far as Hormah. When you go in the flesh, you lose. You lose. And I'm, I'm sorry, like, you, you just realize, like, oh, man, I, I missed it. I blew it. Lord, I'm so sorry. Hey, that's cool. There's forgiveness, but there's consequences. There's forgiveness, there's consequences. I know this isn't like a popular message to preach in churches. Hardly anybody preaches this stuff anymore. But when we sin, there's forgiveness for our sins. Yes, but there are consequences for our sins. And those consequences will affect us, but they don't stop with us. They will affect others around us. That's why we pursue holiness. Holiness. You and I are never going to be perfect. No matter how hard you try, you cannot be sinless. But maybe you can sin less by keeping your eyes on Jesus, okay? Like, that's your goal. That's your goal. And just this reality, this, this holiness thing, that's what the church needs to pursue more and more of today is holiness. Holiness set apart for God. We look different. We live different. We speak different. Because we are different. That's what he wants. And look, if you've blown it, you made a mistake, and you've got you to gotta suffer through some consequences, well, at least the Lord, the Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. He will walk with you through those, whatever they may be. Keep your eyes fixed on the Lord, and just, if, and it just trust like in the word of God. Go back to through the word of God. That's why we heavily emphasize this. Read through the word. I, I love like today of all days, like in my daily Bible reading, reading slash listening to, because I like to listen to the Bible. Um, that's just my method of going through the word of God. Um, somehow I retain more by listening. I don't know why, but in my walking on the beach this morning and listening to my daily Bible reading, it was Deuteronomy chapter one which coincidentally is mirrored with Numbers chapter 13. Then my pastor, Bill Gim from Amarillo, always sends out a daily Bible verse. The daily Bible verse from today was Numbers chapter 13. And I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm listening, okay? Like, I'm going to keep, I'm going to stick to your word and I'm going to rely on what you have already said, what he's already said. And you and I can go through this life with confidence in who he is and in his strength and ability. We don't have to rely on ourselves. We don't have to try to figure these things out. Trust in the Lord. Trust and obey. You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. How often is the voice of God ignored? 
You tune him out because you think you know what he's going to say to you? Or maybe it just comes straight from a disobedient heart, like that of the Israelites, after being rescued from Pharaoh's rule. Getting out of Egypt wasn't enough for them, because, get this, they complained. They were disgruntled because God's way of doing things wasn't their way of doing things. Not only that, but they did what they wanted. Listen to how God responds to the Israelites' behavior in Numbers 4.22 and 23. Because all these men have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these ten times and have not heeded my voice, they certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. That's pretty heavy, but it comes from a loving father who's teaching his children to obey him without question. What is your next step of obedience? If you enjoyed today's message from Numbers and want to hear more, then go to breadforthebroken.com where you'll hear more of God's truth and what it means for your life. That website, once again, is breadforthebroken.com. Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Calvary Galveston in Galveston, Texas. Would you consider donating some of your resources to support this ministry? All you have to do is visit us at breadforthebroken.com to learn how. Well, that's all the time that we have for today. Make sure you join us again next time here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.